Amen. Today I'm going to start a series that I tried to start last week and God just had different plans. But that's all right, amen? Amen. I, had a, we, I think we had a great service last week. Um, I'm going to start this new series, and it was intended to be three. It'll probably be two weeks because um, it would be weird to talk about Halloween stuff, getting ready for November, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and so I, I want to start this series, and um, I, was, I was praying uh, about October, and everybody knows that obviously this is a playoff of Halloween, and this isn't to glorify the devil or anything. It's just a creative way for me to get some points across. And so uh, as we get ready to start this series, everyone's afraid of something. Amen. I mean, is everybody afraid of something? Raise your hand if there's something you're afraid of. I think we're all afraid of something, and and and, and I, in my life, I've been afraid of of clowns. Anybody afraid of clowns? Not now. I'm grown and I, I'm 300 pounds. Okay, I'm not afraid of clowns anymore. Uh, but when I was a kid, I watched this stupid movie called I don't even know if I should say it. So I don't want anybody to watch it. But Poltergeist. And I was a kid, I was in an unchristian home, some of y'all saying, you, uh, you may have never watched that movie. But in the movie, there's this clown. I ain't going to tell you what he did, but he scarred me. That's what he did for several years of my life. And for like 10 years of my life, I refused to go to circuses. I refused to have a clown in my house because I was so afraid of him. There were times in my life where I've been afraid of my mom. Come on. <laughs> My dad wasn't the, my dad was more of the, uh, he disciplined my brothers, my older brothers. I was the youngest. And so my mom got to discipline me. And my mom was, uh, I was bigger than her, like from the age of 10. And so uh, she wasn't about to fight with me. She'd lay me over the bed and say, if I moved, I just had to lay there longer as she beat me. You know, you get arrested for that now. Uh, And so I'd be afraid of my mom. Uh, But you know, probably the scariest thing in life, and this is what this sermon series is about. It's not clowns, it's not zombies, uh, it's, it's none of those things. The scariest thing in life is to simply be separated from the presence of God. And I know that because I've been there. Most of you guys know my story, know that I grew up uh, as an atheist. And so the scariest thing in life that I've experienced is not uh, movies, although... <laughs> Yeah, it's not movies, although movies, I, there are some movies, it's funny, as I've gotten older, I feel like a big old baby, because there are some movies I just won't watch, can't watch, whatever. Some of y'all are like, where well, you're letting spirits in your house, well, don't worry, they're not coming into mind because I'm scared of them. But anyways, uh, like they watch little movies about dolls, that's so silly to me, but anyways, um, but the scariest thing I've ever experienced is not scary movies or any of those things, it's, um, it's being separated from the presence of God. And uh, as I, when I lived as an atheist, I'm not going to lie to you and say that um, every day of my life I felt bad because I didn't know what I was missing. But whenever I got woke up one day and God had woken me up and, and showed me that he was real and showed me that he was there, the scariest thing that I've ever experienced in my life was the thought of living in eternity without him. And really that's what hell is. Most, most of us think that the punishment of hell is hellfire and brimstone and, and, and the gnashing of teeth and all those things. That's not even the punishment. The punishment of hell is an eternity separated from God. That's what the punishment is. And that, whenever I woke up that morning and, and I realized that there was a God, that was the scariest thing to me. And so this series, we're going to talk about for two or three weeks what that means and, and, and how we walk in the presence of God and what it means to lose the presence of God and, and all those things. And so that's what this series is all about. So don't think that it's a Halloween series or that we're going to be talking about zombies, although today uh, the title of our message is Spiritual Zombies. And so, but it's, and you're going to understand that in a minute. But really, I want to dive into what it means to, be in, to live in the presence of God. And so 
Um, has anybody ever watched a zombie movie? Raise your hand if you have. You can be honest. I know Church of God folks, they don't do that kind of stuff. And uh, zombies never scared me. They were always dumb. First of all, the old zombies, they walk like, how could you be afraid of, of something that literally my five-year-old could outrun? Uh, so zombies never, uh, never really scared me. But if you don't know what a zombie is, most of you do, but for, for, for the Walmart people like me, uh, zombies are, are obviously someone who's died and they've come back to life. If you watch old movies, they like to eat, you know, brains, you know, whatever. I think is what they used to uh, yell out in some of the older movies. And uh, so they, they woke up. And, and what's funny about zombies, they're not funny. They're up and they're moving. Uh, they're active. They're eating. So, but really there's no consciousness there, right? So it, it's kind of like what, what I've been told some days in my life. The light's on, but nobody's home. Anybody ever been told that before? The light's on, but nobody's home. That's a zombie. They're walking around, but all they have to lean on is their most basic instincts, you know, is food and, and walking and looking for more food. And, and so, uh, for example, like I'm a zombie in the morning. I think that's the closest I'll ever be to a zombie is in the morning. My wife can tell you if it's before 7.15, I'm basically, uh, and I have the most basic parts of my mind working, but that's it. Anybody else like that? Y'all lying. <laughs> I, got some, I got some afternoon sleepers in here. You know it. And, and, and so, see, here's the thing, though. And so all of us, from time to time, we, we get tired and all those things and our lights go out. But today what I want to talk to you about is spiritual zombieism. Because I, I think there are times in our lives where we are just not plugged into what God is doing. There are times in our life, and before I forget, I'm sorry, I've got to stop my introduction because I will forget it. We have some important things going on. i got to go on a rabbit trail. Is that okay for a minute? I'm sorry. I, this is so not what I normally do, but I'm going to forget if I don't do it now. Um, please be in prayer for, and this is a serious thing, and so I'm not going to make it funny, but um, Mr. Ronnie Norwood passed away, and it was on my announcements to announce this, and I'm sorry, I have to do it while I remember. He passed away this last week, and his funeral services are today from th at 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock visitation at Smith Funeral Home. And so uh, we are asking for food for Miss Cheryl, so if you can you bring food, tell Miss Cheryl, and um, we ask that you be in prayer for the family. And I'm sorry I didn't remember to mention that earlier. And so now I've got to recover. So y'all pray for me. <laughs> but y'all be in prayer for that, please. And if you can, get with Miss Cheryl after service for food. It kind of happened fast, and so we, we hadn't have, had the opportunity to get information to everybody. And so spiritual zombies. <laughs> yeah, that's really appropriate, isn't it? Anyways, and so uh, here's the thing. We all get in places where we are separated from the presence of God. There are some times where we're like, oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And we're all excited. Uh, how many have ever been excited in the Lord before? You're just excited to be saved. Yeah, every time you come to church, you're just ready to do circles and, you know, do your little jig. I never did the jig. I was, I'm not old school Pentecost like that. Uh, but some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. But then there are times, and we don't like to admit it, where we lift our hands not because we feel the presence of God, not that it should be about feelings. We lift our hands because simply we're supposed to. And then it gets to a point where we don't even lift our hands because we just don't want to, because we feel so far from God that we don't even feel a reason or, or an understanding, or not understanding, we just don't feel it. And we're like, well, if I don't feel it, I'm not going to do it. And, and today I want to talk to you about what it means to really push through and break out of this feeling of spiritual zombieism. I think we all have to agree that the enemy wants us to be spiritual zombies. Why? Because for one thing, 
it's easy to go through the motions of Christianity. Think about it. A spiritual zombie is simply a Christian who goes through the motions, who goes to church, checks the stuff off the list, but there's, the lights are on, but nobody's home. So they're going through the motions, and they look like everything's okay, but really they're dead inside. Maybe you've been there. I know that I've been there. There have been times in my life where I love Jesus. I love, I love the thought of Christianity, but inside I was just dry, and I was dead, and I, was, I felt so separated from the Father. Have you been there? Those times where you come to church, you force yourself to come to church. Come on, somebody. You force yourself to get dressed, and you force yourself to be excited, and you force that smile on your face, and you feel so far from God. I've been there. I've been in that place where it's just, it's a job to be a Christian. And that's so opposite because Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. And yet a lot of us walk around dead. We remember what it's like to be alive, but, and we say things like, man, if I could only be like I was then. We say things like, man, if I could just pray like I used to pray, if I could just worship like I used to worship, if I could just read like I used to read. Come on. I'm just going to talk real to you today because this is what's on my heart. I think we all have to agree that that's exactly where the enemy wants us. Why? Well, first of all, we're given authority in Christ. He doesn't want us strong because we have authority in him. The Bible says, and the Bible says this, we're given authority to cast out devils, to speak in new tongues, to lay hands on the sick, and they'll be healed. We have authority. In fact, this is what James 7 says. Resist the devil. Somebody say resist. I'm going to wake somebody up today. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This means that I have an authority in Christ that when the devil is trying to come into my house, he's trying to put sickness in my body, I can speak to the devil through the authority of Jesus Christ and say, you have no place here. The Bible tells me that I can speak to darkness and say, you've got to get out of here. I need to tell somebody today, there may be a tax on your life, and there may be a tax on your family from the devil, but you have authority in Christ to say in the name of Jesus, you've got to get out of this body, you've got to get out of this marriage, you've got to get out of here. You've got authority in Christ, and that's why the devil wants you to be a spiritual zombie. He wants you to lay out because a passive soldier doesn't win any victories. Come on, somebody. A passive soldier that refuses to pick up his sword, that refuses to get excited, that refuses to fight, they'll never win a victory. The devil doesn't want you happy. The devil doesn't want you excited. The devil wants you to lay down and say, oh, woe is me. You've got authority in Jesus. You've got authority in Christ. You've been made a co-heir with him, a son or a daughter of God. And the devil doesn't want you to take authority. He wants you to lay over. You know, whenever I was playing football and even watching football or watching any sport, you can have two teams on a field. And one team is ten times better than the other team. But if the team that is better doesn't come ready to play and the team that is less than comes ready to play, excited and ready to give it all that they have, I've seen that lesser team beat the stronger team. 
not because of how strong they were, but because the stronger team was just willing to lay over. I need to tell somebody today that passive soldiers don't win battles. Passive soldiers don't win battles. Passive football teams and athletic teams, they don't win games. You want to know who wins games? People who come into that thing ready to fight. Who says, you know what, devil, you can't have my family. You can't have my walk with Jesus. You can't have it. That's between me and Jesus. That's my body. You can't have my body. You can't have my mind. You want to see someone who's on fire for the Lord, you're also going to see someone who's strong and they're aggressive in their faith. Spiritual zombies, we aren't. They aren't passionate. They're just going through the motions. And so we're given authority through the word of God that says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. How do we get to this place where we're, we're lazy? Let me. How do we get to this place of just laid back Christianity? How do we get there? I, I, and I said it already, but I think the first way is we just get lazy. Come on, somebody, that'll preach. We get lazy in the way that we pray because <laughs> we say, Lord, we lay in our bed, Lord, we just, and we, we say we're going to pray before we go to bed. We say, we, Lord, we just love you in Jesus. Come on, somebody. How many, how many have ever said that good night prayer? Come on, somebody. You've, you've, <laughs> you said all day, I hadn't prayed today, but before I go to bed, I'm going to pray. And you barely get through the opening credits, and you're out for the count. Come on, somebody. We get lazy in our prayer life. We get lazy in the way that we read our Bible. I had a guy come up to me yesterday. And it's so funny whenever I talk to like old school Christians because y'all got terminology I just have never heard. I'm just going to be honest with you. And, and sometimes I hear some of the craziest things. And it's not crazy, it's true. But it's kind of like um, some, Daniel said, Daniel Harris said something to me yesterday. What did he say? Um, fits like a rooster's tail or something like that. I don't know what he said. Socks on a rooster. And he confused me. I said, what? Why can't you? And he had to explain it to me. I was like, why can't you just say it fits like a glove? He said, it's my story. I'm going to tell it how I want to. And I said, whatever. Okay, Daniel. <laughs> it was 6 o'clock in the morning. It was too early for all that mess. Anyways. Anyways. And so. Hmm. Not going to lie. I totally lost just where I was. This may be the worst day I've preached in six months. <laughs> I've stopped it for a funeral announcement, and now I have no idea what I just say. What did I just say? Oh, don't tell me the socks on a rooster. What was before that? Pop quiz. Terminology. Christians confuse me. We get lazy. Okay, so we're just going to start from there. We're just going to start over, okay? Y'all going to have to give the preacher some grace today. I was up from 5.30 yesterday until 12.30 this morning, so y'all got to give me some grace today, okay? My mind will start working again Tuesday, and <laughs> maybe it'll be better Wednesday night. Y'all come to church Wednesday for, for the final cut, okay? Anyways, and so Christians, we get lazy, and we, we say these afternoon prayers, and, and, and we get, oh, I know where I was going. We, I heard yesterday this, old guy was, this older guy I was talking to, and he said, well, boy, you know, he was a Vietnam vet, so he, we, we told some war stories. I've never been to war, but he told me his, and uh, he said, well, boy. I tell you what the devil's not scared of. And I said, well, what's that? He said, a dusty Bible. <laughs> and I was like, 
that's true. <laughs> you know, I didn't really know what to say. And, uh, and, and, but it's true, though. It's so true because we get lazy spirits when we stop praying. We don't read our Bible. We say we're going to read it on our app, on our phone, but we go from the Bible to Facebook. Come on. We go from the Bible to Pinterest. We go from the Bible to anything else because the devil tries to come in and get you off course. Whenever you're trying to follow Jesus, he's going to come in and give you something to distract you. Come on, somebody. He's going to give you a phone call when you pick up your Bible. He's going to have something go crazy in your life when you start praying. The devil wants to distract you because he doesn't want you to take authority in your life. We get lazy, we stop reading our Bible, we start fasting like we should. Mm. We don't like fasting in the South, that means no KFC, right? What causes us to get to this place of spiritual zombieism? Laziness, hurt. Sometimes it's not what we're not doing, it's what's been done to us. Sometimes we get to this place of spiritual zombieism, not because we're not reading. Sometimes it's in a place in our lives where we're reading every day because somebody's hurt us, and we're looking for hope, and we're looking for forgiveness, we're looking for healing, but that hurt has gotten deep. And we have no idea how to deal with it. How do we get to this place of passive faith? Disappointment. You thought God was going to do something in a certain way, and he didn't. You thought God was going to heal, but he didn't. You thought God was going to answer you like this way, but he answered that way, or he didn't answer at all. How do we get to this place of passive faith? There's lots of ways. I mean, let's just be honest. I could make a list of 50 different items, but honestly, there's lots of ways there, but you know it when you're there. And I need to tell somebody today, that's not where God wants you. Not how God, that's not how God created you to live. Some of us are looking for so long for hope and for joy and all the wrong, you know, that old country song, looking for love and all the wrong. Y'all know that song, don't you? We're going to sing that next Sunday. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're going to turn on the lights to go on the ceiling for that one, though, okay? Anyways, oh, that was too far. I'm sorry. I won't do that again. And so we ask, how do we get to that place of passivity, and there's so many ways, but but here's the thing. We're going to get in our text. If you have your Bible, turn to Ezekiel 37. And as we're there, and, and we start trying to fight our way out, we may even ask ourselves, "Can I ever get out of this?" You ever been in a place so in a in a place in your faith that's so dry, you just wondered, "Are we ever going to get out of this?" Have you? You ever been to a place in your faith where you're just wondering, is this ever really going to get better? I have. Let's read the Bible. We're going to go to Ezekiel 37. And a lot of my spirit-filled folk, y'all are excited because y'all think I'm about to preach about folks getting out of graves. And I kind of am, but let's read the Bible. The verse 1 says this. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out of the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of dry bones. Somebody say dry bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones 
live? Man, that's the question, isn't it? Whenever you're going through tough stuff, can these bones live is what God asked him. And, and, he, and the, he answered, oh, Lord, God, you know. So today, and I'm going to paraphrase the rest of this, um, and we're going we're gonna to kind of walk through this. At this point, Judah and Jerusalem, they were under a prophecy that they would be punished for their sin. How many knows that there is grace in Jesus, but you still have repercussions for your mistakes? God will forgive me for murdering, but I'm probably just still going to have to go to jail. Come on, somebody. God can forgive me for lying, but I still may lose relationships because I wasn't honest. God can forgive me for cheating, but that doesn't mean my wife will or my husband will. Oh, I'm preaching today, and y'all just ain't hearing none of this today. And so here's the thing. There are always repercussions for our sins. And so Judah and Jerusalem, they were under this prophecy. But like God always does, because while God ha- there has to be justice for our sin, God offers them and says, but I'm going to redeem you. If you read on into the scripture, he's saying, I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to take care of it, but you're going to have to go through captivity. However, two things made this promise complicated. How many knows trying to get your life back on track tends to be complicated? Whenever your whole life has gotten off track and things have gone crazy and you're depressed and you're anxious and relationships are torn up, it is complicated to get things back to the way that you want them to be. Kind of like whenever you have a house I'm going to tell you, I love my house. I hate cleaning my house. That 1,100 square foot was a lot easier to clean than what I have now. And sometimes I'm, 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 I'm you know, doing my little mop, and I'm like, hmm, wonder if Ms. Lynchard is still renting. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, and so because it's, it's a lot harder the further along that you get. And, and, so, and so with all these complications, here were two. First of all, they were dispersed among the nations with no help. No wealth, in other words, no hope. They were dispersed among many nations with no hope, no wealth, and no help to get back together. They were promised God was going to put them back together. How many have ever gotten a promise from God that didn't make sense because you didn't know how he was going to do it? This is the other thing. They were divided among themselves. Because Israel and Judah were at odds with one another. They were actually oppositional towards one another. They had split up. And so they're promised that God's people would be put back together. But how's that going to happen with all these problems? Don't we think that same way about our lives sometimes? God, with all of my issues, with all of my junk, how are you going to put this back together? With all of my filth, with all of my rebellion, how are you going to wake me up? How are you going to put my faith back together? How are you going to put my marriage back together? How are you going to put my finances back together? All of a sudden, we, we kind of sound like Ezekiel did. God, only you know. Can these dry bones live? I ha- can these finances live? Can this relationship work out? Can this work? God, I'm at a place in my life where I don't know. And you know the problem with some of us is we're not willing to be honest with God and tell him, I don't know if this is going to work. We just fake it until we make it. And the problem with faking it is it causes death in your life. As you just avoid a problem and you don't face it, it's like a cancer spiritually. And it comes in and it eats you up from inside and it eats out the joy that's in your life. And you wake up one day and your world is discombobulated and you're wondering, how did I get here? And you ask the question, I don't, God asks, can can it be put back together? And you say, I don't know. first thing I see here 
is obviously there's a valley of dry bones, right? You know what that tells me? That there's bones in a valley? We can lose. This is so overlooked because it's right there in front of us. But we can lose. There's a valley of dry bones, an army of people. This is a vision God was showing him, but they're dead. I need to tell somebody today. You may feel like you're skating along, getting through, separated from God, but doing it good enough to get by. Maybe God is saying to you that you think you're getting by, but you're so far disconnected from me. All you are is a collection of spiritually dry bones. You think that's how God wanted you to live? I don't. I don't think that's how God intended us to live. So I see a, a place of, of dry bones, and, and it says that they're dry bones. So that means they've been there for a while. Been there for a while. Have you? Have you been in that place in your life where for a long time you just feel spiritually dry in need of a refreshing in need of something sometimes you're just praying and you're like God I need something you, you start out praying God I need this I need this I need this and it'd be all better and, it, and those things that maybe you get maybe some of them you don't but you get to this place where you say God I don't even know what I need I just need something and as he he said to Ezekiel this. He said, prophesy over these dry bones. Remember, Ezekiel said, I don't know if they can live, God. This is going to be up to you. Prophesy to these dry bones, and I'll make breath. Prophesy to them that I will make breath enter you, and you'll come to life. And I'll attach tendons on you and make flesh and skin come upon you. I need to tell somebody, there are going to be times in your life, and maybe that time for you is today that you're going to have to declare things over your life that you may not understand when you say it. Come on, somebody. There may be times in your life that you've got to speak life instead of death. You know, the Bible tells us there's power in the, in the tongue. And some of us are always so woe is me that we don't even realize we're speaking death over our life and we are further drying out our bones, our spiritual lives. I need to tell somebody today, maybe today, Miss Karen, will you come play with me, please? Play for me, please. Maybe today is that day that you need to speak life. I said earlier in James 7, we're saying, resist the devil and he'll flee from us. Ezekiel was told to speak to the bones. And when he did, something unique happened. The Bible says that those bones started to rattle. Mm. I need to tell somebody that whenever you speak the word of God over a thing and you believe, maybe you don't understand it, but if you believe, remember Jesus said with Man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are. It may be impossible for me to recover from my problems. It may be impossible...
for me to recover in my own life, in my own power. But if I involve God and I believe to, and I begin to speak what God has spoken and I begin to follow after him, I don't have to stay spiritually dead. I don't have to let dead things stay in my life. I can begin to speak the word of God over those things and something is going to happen. I know I'm yelling today like I'm angry, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm angry at the devil because he comes into our lives and he gets us so broken down and sad and disappointed and, and, and discouraged. And, and, and we forget that all we have to do is speak to a thing. Jesus said, speak to that mountain and it's got to be moved. If you have just a mustard seed size of faith. Ezekiel, he, he spoke. And the Bible says that these bones began to rattle. When you speak what God has placed in your spirit, when you speak the word of God over your life, things will change. Because I don't know about you, but I still believe that there is power in the word of God. I still believe that God is a truth teller. I still believe that the devil is a liar and the father of lies and the truth isn't in him. But God is the, Jesus is the prince of peace and God is the father that loves me and he is truth and he is good and he is strong and I would rather trust God any day and speak what God tells me even if I don't understand it than stay another day in a valley of dry bones and die there. I'd rather live in faith when I don't understand it than to die in a place of discouragement. He looks at these bones and he speaks to them. The Bible says they begin to rattle. Look to your neighbor say, it's coming together. Come on, look to your neighbor say, it's coming together. Ezekiel prophesied, and exactly what God said would happen, happened. That'll preach right there, and I'm not going to preach it because I'm going to pray for some people. Ezekiel spoke this thing, and exactly what God said would happen, it happened. Bones came together, and tendons, and muscles, and, and skin. Somebody needs to hear today that if God has spoken a thing, over your life. He's not a liar. God is good and he is true. And he is very aware of where you are. Maybe things have fallen apart in your life. And maybe it's caused you to feel far from God and maybe you feel like a spiritual zombie. You're I know I keep saying this. And, it, and you're just going through the motions. I want to challenge you today to speak over your own life. David said he had to encourage himself in the Lord. Sometimes you can't depend on a preacher or a friend or even your, your spouse to encourage you. Sometimes you've got to look at your own situation and say, you know what, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to be transparent. There have been times in my life where I, I wanted to quit. But, but some, something happened on the inside of me, and this is what I want to happen to somebody today. Something clicked, and I said, you know what? 
God has brought me, and this has to click. And, and, and so today, maybe you're not ready for this to click in your heart, but I'm hoping somebody is. Something has to click in your heart, and it has to say, you know what, I'm tired of this. You know, kind of like that old saying, you got to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick of being down. I'm sick of being sick. I'm sick of being depressed. I'm sick of being beaten. I'm sick. And I refuse to be a child of God and dead in this valley. I refuse to lay here and let the devil and let life walk all over me when the Bible says I'm the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. I'm a child of God. Why am I going to sit here and let life walk all over me when I've been promised to live in the fullness of God? There have been times in my life where I have had to look up and say, no. I talk to my, anybody else talk to yourself? As a public speaker, preacher, I get up every day and talk in front of people. And so I need to say things privately first. (laughs) Or I get myself in trouble. Y'all think I say things, yeah. Some things need to be ran through the, the, the editor, read through the mill first. But there are times I've, I've sat in, whether it be my office or my home, and I've thought, and, and, and I've just had that blah. If I ever get to that place where you're just like, blah. You just, kind of like Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. This is meaningless. This is meaningless. This stinks. This vacuum cleaner, whatever. It's, you know, what do vacuum cleaners do? All right, y'all said it, I didn't. She said it, not me. And, I've had, and it's like something clicked. And this isn't just one time because the devil doesn't just attack you once. Every time you think you get going and you feel refreshed in the Lord, he comes again, doesn't he? And I sat in my office and I said, you know what? This is stinking ridiculous. I don't know about you, but I, I talk pretty harsh to myself. It motivates me. I said, you know what? I'm not going to sit here. I remember in school, believe it or not, whenever I was younger, I was bullied. And there was this guy that came to school. I was in seventh grade. He was in seventh grade, but he was 18. (laughs) Daddy didn't hug him enough or something. I don't know. But he'd come into my class every day. And he was a big old guy. He'd come into my class every day, and he'd grab my book bag, and he'd start going through it, and he'd take what he wanted. I'm being real transparent because this is kind of embarrassing, to be honest with you, and and I was scared of him, And, and, and one day I just got up and he said, you know what, he did that about three times, and I... And I got up one day and I said, you know what? Uh Uh-uh. It ain't happening today. It ain't going to happen. I I got in the homeroom and I looked at my best friend, Dustin Pickleman. That's a real name. We used to call him the Pickle Man. I looked at him and said, dude, it's about to go down. He said, what are you talking about? I was like, if that dude goes through my backpack one more again, I'm going to put my hands on this guy. He said, dude, he's going to beat the mess out of you. 
I said, but I'm going to get the first lick. <laughs> I'm not advocating fighting or anything like that, but hear me out. I went in that classroom, <laughs> and he grabbed my book bag, and I grabbed my book bag, and we'll just leave it there. <laughs> But I woke up that morning and I said, I am not about to let this guy run over me anymore. He may be bigger than me and he may scare me. But this ain't happening no more. And I need to tell somebody today, and this is my altar call. This is where I'm closing. I need to tell somebody today, you may be down. And you may not be fighting the devil as much as you feel like you're fighting your own inner demons. Maybe you're fighting your own depression that's not, I don't believe there's a devil behind every bush. That's not how I, I just, just not that. That's another conversation for another day. Sometimes we're the problem. Maybe you are fighting spiritual attacks today. I don't know. That's, that's something only you know. But I need to tell somebody today. It's time for you to say, uh-uh. Somebody say, uh-uh. Somebody say, not today. Y'all didn't say that. With, y'all need, not, not today. <laughs> Somebody needs to say today, not today. I'm not, I'm not letting the devil have my life anymore. I'm not letting him have my joy. I'm not letting him go through my back. I'm not letting him go through my family. I'm not letting him go through my body. I'm tired of it, and I'm ready to stand up and declare, thus saith the Lord over my life. Somebody needs to get in your heart right now. I'm not having it anymore. I'm tired of laying down. I'm tired of being in this valley of dry bones. I'm tired of it. And I'm ready to stand. And I know that if I stand and I put it in God's hands, he's going to deliver me. He's going to carry me. And he's going to do exactly what he said he would do. And this is how I know that. Because as Ezekiel began to prophesy over those bones, like you need to prophesy over your life, they rattled, they shook, they stood up, they were covered with skin and tendons and bones and and flesh. And they rose up and they had life in them. The last part of this equation was this. They were standing and they were basically zombies. They had everything they needed to live except one thing. Breath. Somebody needs the breath of God blown fresh in their lives today. And God breathed in them. And they came back to life. This is my prayer for you today. With everybody standing, please, and get ready to close. Nobody looking around, please. Maybe you feel spiritually dead. But you've been called into life. And maybe you're not strong enough to speak it over yourself, so I'm declaring life over you right now. Maybe you're struggling, and and today you just, (laughs) it's stirring. You feel something stirring in your heart and you know that this message has been for you. But you're afraid that you're going to speak and you're going to stand and you're just going to get knocked right back down. I'm here to pray for you. And so today, 
if that's you and you feel spiritually dead and you need to be refreshed in the Lord and you need to speak some things over your life, I want you to lift your hands. If that's you, if that's you, come on, lift your hands. I want to ask you to do something brave with me this morning. If Would you come down to the altar and let me pray for you today, if that's you? You may say, Pastor Jay, I've been to the altar a thousand times. We'll make it a thousand and one. Come on down. I want you to come right now. If that's you and you lifted your hands and you need someone to pray for you today, you want to be refreshed in the Lord. Come on. There's more than just this. Can I get some people to help me pray with them real quick? Please. Would you guys line up right over there and we're going to pray for you. Come on, if that's you you feel spiritually dead inside and you just need to be refreshed I want you to come down now would y'all help us pray